Hello, this is Dr. Lisa Belial, and you are listening to or watching the seventh episode of Radio Maine. And today I'm speaking with artist Carlos Gamez de Francisco from his home in Kentucky. It's great to have you here today. Thank you for inviting me. Carlos, you've had a, a very busy morning. You've been driving all over the place, Cincinnati, back to Kentucky. Uh, you just had a solo show. It's a, it's a lot of uh, effort to be an artist. Uh, yes, it is. But I love it. This is what I love since I was five years old. So I think everything I do is the right thing to do. I was very interesting, uh, interested to read about your growing up in Cuba. It's not something that a lot of Portland art gallery artists can, can say is true. Uh, how did you end up um, making the connection with the Portland Art Gallery in Portland, Maine? Well, last year um, when the COVID started, I wanted to, to do changes in my life. I spent too much time in the studio by myself. So one of the things I did, I made a vision board with all the things I want to accomplish. And in the last 10 years, I always thought that I wanted to grow to work with 20 galleries, but I thought it was impossible. But in the last six months, I went from five galleries to 20. And I did it. I was uh, sending emails to galleries that I liked for a while, and Portland uh, was one of them. Behind me, I have uh, work called Dogs and Foxes. And it's a very uh, unique painting. It's two, it looks like hunting dogs on a purple couch with a couple of foxes underneath and some various insects, some of which seem to be stinging insects, some of which do not seem to be stinging insects. Um, tell me about this piece. Uh, I love that piece. And I was thinking like um, most of the time when dogs are hunting, they do it uh, um, because they have... Uh, a nice sense of uh, smell, or they, they know how to find the prey. But in this case, they're going in the wrong direction. So the foxes are hiding, and they're, they're okay. So they will ne never be haunted by the dogs. So um, life sometimes is like that. Uh, we think we're going in the right direction, but then we know uh, after if, uh, some failure. So we have to take a different path uh, until we find what we really want. Uh, the foxes don't seem very concerned in this painting. Yes, yes, they're very, they're very peaceful. So, have you yourself experienced this sort of uh, going in the wrong direction and and needing to kind of pull back and and redo things in a different way? I think life is about that. I think everything in life is about trying different things and try it as much as possible until you succeed. And I see success. Um, success is not have a lot of money or fame, is get what makes you happy. Um, so, for example, I always knew since I was five years old that uh, this was my career. And I have told this story many times, but I think you will enjoy it. So I was in my dad's kitchen table, and I was drawing with a blue ink pen. And dad, he was watching the dishes. And I asked my dad how the water came out of the faucet. And my dad explained me that water come from the lake. Then uh, it was purified. And then it came to every house. And it was, uh, uh, after purifying, it was nice for drinking. 
So I was drawing everything that my dad told me. And my dad left the, the kitchen. My mom arrived and she asked me what I was doing. So I explained the same that my dad told me, but I was only five years old. So my mom was concerned because that wasn't a normal conversation for a kid. So next day she took me to see a psychologist <laughs> and, and the psychologist told her, your song is okay. You're the one that needs the therapy. <laughs> so, so that's when, that's when I knew this was my occupation. And I remember the moment and I keep that drawing. So at five years old, knowing that you wanted to be an artist, that's pretty special actually. Yes, it is. And I started taking seriously uh, my career since I was 15. And I remember in Cuba, that was a, a very difficult period because we had the embargo and we didn't have enough resources. So all, all the art supplies stores were empty. So I have to be very creative. I had two choices. I could, uh, I could quit painting or I could uh, find a solution. So what I did, I was mixing toothpaste with watercolor and in that way, I could create all the, the, the textures in my paintings. And because I didn't have a canvas, I had to take blankets or cardboard. And I was painting, uh, I was using them as support. And I was mixing oil uh, with diesel because I didn't have uh, uh, the medium. So all this helped me to be more creative and, and never find an excuse. Because it's very easy to find an excuse and quit. The difficult part is to keep trying. So when I was 15, I was painting uh, with toothpaste and, and watercolor. And I remember it was early in the morning. And when I looked through the window, it was already night. And that's when I said, okay, I could do this for the rest of my life. And I will enjoy it every day. When you were growing up, your education was um, in very Russian inspired from what I understand. Tell me about that. So first, before studying to be a, a fine artist, I was studying to be a dancer. And I did it uh, since I was uh, 11 years old until I was 15. And that helped me everything about discipline. Uh, it was a very difficult school. Uh, schools in Cuba are um, um, very difficult to get in because uh, there is a lot of competition. So there were about uh, 300 people taking tests to go in, uh, to the school and we only uh, passed, we were only 26 people who passed the test. And we have to, uh, in the morning, we took the normal classes. In the afternoon, we were taking all the dance classes. We were taking ballet and folklore, European dances. And after that, I have to go with a private uh, teacher because the school was so hard that the only way to pass was uh, uh, taking classes outside of the school. So my childhood was uh, a lot of training, seven hours a day. And when I switched to fine art, when I was 15, I switched, uh, uh, I went to a different art school. Um, it was, uh, I already had the discipline. And painting is, in a way, is less painful than dancing because dancing, there is a lot of physical pain, but with painting is more the emotional side. Uh, but you're seated. So I think uh, it was a nice, nice idea to switch careers. You also do work in photography and you have um, a lot of female forms in your photography and, and in a raid in, in very creative ways. Um, we have a, one in our studio, it's Casual Decor 3. 
and it's a woman with uh, a mass of auburn hair with uh, different things kind of woven throughout. And this is just one of many examples of the type of photography that you do. What has caused you to get interested in, in women as a subject for your photography? Well, so I started uh, uh, working on Photograph when I, in 2012. I always enjoy it. But when I take a picture, I don't think as a photographer. I think as a painter. And the way I see the composition, the colors, is in the same way I paint. So I think every photo is built. Uh, I create everything, the, the, the environment when I do it, the, the scene, the dresses. Um, and it takes uh, sometimes um, 400 pictures to select the right one. So um, I went to two, uh, in 2012 to Cuba. I did, made a whole series of photos. And then I came back, I think, in 2018. And I wanted to photograph the youngest generation of Cuban because when I left the country uh, 12 years ago, uh, everything was very different. Now the country is more open in a way uh, because at, at my time, I didn't have internet at home. or uh, so, so internet was a new thing for me when I came to the U.S. Or I didn't have access to a cell phone or also I didn't have access to American movies. So the new generation, they are able to get these advantages. So they have a different uh, thinking. So I wanted to go to their houses and meet them, talk to them, know how uh, they thought, uh, how they think. And I asked them permission to check everywhere in their houses. So I was checking in their closets, uh, in their bedrooms, and I built dresses with found objects. That, uh, that were in their houses, like curtains or blankets or uh, little pads or uh, even spoons. So I was using everything I could find. And I spent about two hours uh, building the dress. And after that, I took 400 pictures and I select one. So I remember the first time I started taking photos because I didn't know too much about photography. Everything was a trial. Uh, and I made a lot of mistakes and I couldn't find the perfect lighting. And I love Baroque paintings. So my goal was to be able to catch the lighting like, uh, like Rubens or, or Rembrandt's paintings. Um, so I want that perfect um, black background with a lighting coming to only one side of the face. So I tried and I made about 3,000 pictures. I was working for two weeks. And one day it was raining. And I couldn't, I couldn't get natural light. So I get the lighting very close to the model and I took a picture and that was the perfect lighting. So I deleted the other 3000 pictures and I called the models again. <laughs> so they were not very happy about it, but uh, uh, at the end it worked. And that's when I understood that photography, everything is about how you catch the lighting, how the lighting comes uh, through the lens and you're able to show that in, in, in the picture. Tell me about this piece that is behind you. So I love this piece. I think uh, all the details, I, I spent about a week only working in the hearse. Um, I, most of my figures, um, you could see the face. But uh, lately, I've been, because uh, especially in the last year, because of COVID, we have been covering our faces. And so most of my figure is starting being covered. 
buy sunglasses or face masks or flowers. So because there is a, I like that people know who the person is, but I don't want to make it everything so clear. So I want them to imagine how they uh, think this person is. So in this case, I imagine how her face is, and I was thinking uh, to make a second version, like the front view. But I think it, this one was, was uh, uh, it looks so beautiful that I don't want to keep explaining who the person is. So I will leave it in this way, and, and I love it. How does your family feel about your career as an artist? So um, I have a, a funny story about that. My mom, she's very strict, and I think it's something about uh, Spanish mothers. Um, she, but especially she, uh, she's someone very hardworking. I learned uh, discipline and hard work from her, but also, uh, and she supported me a lot, but she always told me, um, I don't want a mediocre son. I want you to try your best in anything you want. Do whatever you love, but try your best. And I remember once I didn't like uh, a school that I, um, so I was taking uh, some classes in an art school and one of my teacher came and he saw my drawings and he said something that it was a compliment, but I didn't see it in that way because he said, I will never draw as good as you. And instead of taking that as a compliment, I took it as a disadvantage because I went to that school to learn. So uh, next day, I talked to my mom and I told her that I wanted to quit and I wanted to go to a different school. And she said, that's okay. Uh, let's go to the school you want to go, but you need to try your best. So I was painting since I was 15 until I was 17. I was painting for two years, eight hours a day. And then when I was finally 17, she allows me to put one of my paintings in the living room. So imagine how strict she was, like she wanted more from me. And that was the first piece that she loved. So I said, okay, if she like it, that means something. So I took that painting to um, the, a gallery and I had my first solo exhibition. So she was right. <laughs> so she had high standards and you worked to live up to them. And in the end it paid off. Yes. And even today, she still find mistakes in my paintings. <laughs> so she, yes, she has very high standards. And my father, he's more, um, he likes to have a peaceful life. So he gave me a lot of support, but he let me be uh, in the way I want. He let me take the decisions in, in the way I want. So it sounds like they balanced each other out very well when it came to raising you. Yes. One of the things I was interested in when I was learning about you is the idea of the story and how things aren't always as they seem. And especially in um, growing up in post-revolutionary Cuba, things weren't always as they seemed. This is something in the, in the United States, I think we, um, we sometimes assume that what we see on the news is correct, but you probably always had the sense that it may not always be correct. It may not always be true. Yes. Uh, I love history. And I, uh, while I'm painting, most of the time I'm listening uh, to history books or audiobooks uh, about positive thinking or happiness or business, things that, I, that uh, teach me something about the past or the future that I would like to have. So in Cuba, I learned 
um, um, history, and I thought that I, had, I need many. I uh, I knew many things, but when I came to the U.S. and I went uh, to the Art Institute of Chicago, I noticed there was a different history about the same things, um, and there are many points of view. And that's one thing I love about this country is like everybody has a point of view and we have the freedom of a speech to be able to share that. And if some people don't like it, that's okay. They have their own opinions and some other people like uh, what you said, but we have the right to to say it and, and to think and act in the way we want. And so, so when you have that freedom and if you use it wisely, you could get any goal that you want. Tell me what of um, of your recent things you've been listening to. What's one of your favorite books? So last year when I made my vision board, uh, one of the things that I wanted was to listen to 100 audiobooks uh, because in the past I wasn't reading that much. Three years ago, I only listened to six audiobooks. I think uh, one year ago to 23 um, then uh, I said, well, if I listen every day, at least for four hours, I will create the habit and I will be able to, to listen to 100. And I did it. I listened to 103 in a year. So and that helped me so much to understand. I think knowledge makes you uh, see life in a different way because we are, um, when, when we're in our comfort zone, we're afraid of so many things. For example, when I came to the U.S., I never uh, um, drive a car. So the first time I was driving a car, I thought it was, uh, uh, I, I could see an accident everywhere because uh, in my mind, I thought uh, that was a possibility. But uh, once that you start uh, doing the same and, and every time um, more and more often, uh, you are uh, less afraid and, and you notice that uh, knowledge and, and practice give you an advantage. It makes you, uh, it's like painting. When I start painting, uh, a painting like the one uh, you have uh, uh, there, took me like seven months to create. But now it takes me only five days because I, I have learned many techniques and I study all the anatomy and, and I've been repeating processes for so long that now uh, everything is easier. And of those 100-plus books, were there any that stood out for you? There is one that I really love, and it's very simple. It's called The Little Prince, and it's a French book. And in Cuba, there is a tradition where parents give you that book when you're a child. And, and that's the first book I read when I was a kid, and I decided to read it, uh, read it again uh, last year, and I did it a couple of times. And it's a beautiful book. It teaches you a lot about values and um, about how we should see life. And there is a lesson I learned from that book uh, when I was a teenager. Uh, there is a part in the book that says that there was a scientist, there was someone uh, that went uh, to give a conference, but he was wearing his traditional clothing, so uh, nobody paid attention to him. And, and then he was given a beautiful speech, but nobody cares because the way he was dressing. So next year he came and he was wearing a suit and everybody was clapping. Why? Because people, we uh, sometimes we judge just because of the way we dress. And I think uh, that's 
not a good thing because uh, we are stereotyping and 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 that's um, which we need sometimes to meet the people that is in front of us. Um, so, but then when I came to the U.S. the first time I had a um, um, an interview with the gallery, I I remember that chapter of the book and I bought a suit, um, and so I went wearing a suit and and even because I had a disadvantage at the time, I didn't know the language, I didn't know the culture. And I remember the first interview with the gallery because my English was very bad. I was learning of memory what I had to say. And, and then I said, okay, so if I memorize all these three paragraphs, they won't ask me any questions because I will say everything at once. <laughs> so I went and I did it. And then they asked me questions, but I, I was okay. So I had my first solo exhibition. Um, I, I want to share with you the story when I came to the U.S. So I came with only $650. And for a Cuban, that is a lot of money because uh, doctors in my country only make $40 per month. But uh, for the U.S., that's what I spent in my first day. So I spent 600 in our supplies and 50 in a pair of shoes because I love the movie Forrest Gump. And I remember I watched that movie more than 40 times. And I knew all the dialogues in the movie. And I thought that success could be achieved in the U.S. because Forrest Gump did. So I came with all my dreams and I bought a pair of shoes like the ones he did. Um, the first day in the U.S., I was broke. So I, I said, well, now what can I do? So I went to find a job. But because I didn't know the language and I didn't know anybody, so the only job I found was doing shipping and receiving. And uh, it was uh, uh, it wasn't the kind of job that I would uh, that I thought that could be um, my dream job, but I knew that was part of the path. And I always had faith that that was uh, something I had to do in order to achieve my goals. So I was working there nine hours a day. Then I was studying English two hours a day. And then I was painting at night. And I remember I was only sleeping five hours a day during the first four months in the US. Um, one day I sent an email to a gallery and they called me, but because my English was so bad, I couldn't understand their questions and I hand off the phone. And I said, this is the last time that something like this will happen to me. I will learn 100 words per day. So my dad, he was a professor in a university in Cuba, and he told me that when you repeat the same uh, about 11 times, your brain will remember that information. So he was repeating 100 words per day for uh, 11 times. And, and then after four months, I had my first solo exhibition, and I sold out the show. Uh, next day, I quit my job, and I said, okay, now I could do what I love. So I believe when we do, um, when we have passion and discipline and we work hard, we could achieve any goal we want. What do you do for fun? It sounds like you're very disciplined, but on your off time, what do you like to do? So painting, um, I have the discipline, but I enjoy it. So it's not that I'm doing something I don't like. When I'm painting, uh, time flies and I feel I'm in a peaceful and I feel that everything is positive. 
So, and I like to work hard or have a lot of fun. I don't like to be in my bed watching Netflix. I think it's a waste of time. And so uh, I work very hard. And then after two, three months, I take a vacation and I enjoy for all the months that I was working. Um, I like to travel. I like to go to different countries. And my, my, in my vision board also, uh, one of my goals is to visit every country in the world. Um, also, um, I like to spend time with friends. But also some of my friends, they have many things in common. They love art. So when we connect and we talk, we're talking about things that we love. And so it's also work because we share ideas. And, and then uh, uh, from that conversation, many paintings come after that. Or, or then uh, they tell me uh, something, an experience they enjoy. And then I said, okay, this could be a nice painting. So I get inspiration from everything. Where was the last place you traveled to? So this month I was very busy because I had uh, several shows. I went to uh, Raleigh in North Carolina. I had some pieces there. And then I went to deliver some paintings in Lexington, in South, South Carolina, Indiana. Um, also, I had a show, a solo exhibition. Uh, yesterday um, was the opening at Miller Gallery in Cincinnati. So a lot of your travel right now is um, focused on the work that you do. Yes, especially because with COVID, we cannot travel. But uh, last year, I was, before COVID, my goal was to travel to two countries every two months. And then I only went to Spain and Portugal. My family is from Spain. And so I go there and visit them very often. Um, and then I was planning to go to Colombia and South Korea and the Philippines, but then they cancel all the flights. So I'm waiting on maybe one more year until we're able to go back and travel. Now, what part of Spain is your family from? So my, my grandfather was from Valladolid, but then they were living in Barcelona, uh, my great-grandparents and my uh, grandparents. So they went to Cuba trying to find new opportunities. And then all my generation left Cuba trying to find new opportunities. So immigration, um, I think when people go from one country to another one, um, because they have so many dreams, and they know how difficult life could be in another place, and especially they know that this country has so many advantages. This is a country of opportunities. And so when I came, I was ready to work as hard as possible to uh, be able to get all the things I want. Um, and then I think the only limitations we have are in our mind. So when we take action, things start happening. Do you have any advice for other uh, young artists who are behind you on the path? So I believe they should keep trying. And I, I always heard that there are three types of people. The one that think a lot, the one that talk a lot, and the one that takes action. So if you want to be an artist, it doesn't matter what other people think about your paintings, because we all have different opinions about paintings or art. So... Um, maybe your paintings want, maybe 50% of the people will like them, 
that's okay. Or maybe 30% or maybe 70. That's okay. Just follow your heart and your intuition and keep doing it. And then if you practice as much as possible and you spend 10,000 hours doing one thing, you will be able to understand it technically and everything will be, uh, will look so good. You will see the difference because uh, when I start drawing, I must say I wasn't that good. I, I, I thought I was good, but I wasn't. And one of, um, one thing, one of my teacher told me uh, one day in my drawing class, I was showing one of my drawings, but I was uh, finding excuses because I didn't like the drawing. So I told my teacher, I was 15. I told him, uh, oh, I'm sorry, my, uh, this drawing is not good enough because I feel sick. And that day I wasn't in a good mood uh, to draw. And my teacher said, uh, I don't care uh, yeah, because when you go to one day, you will exhibit in a museum or a gallery and you won't be next to the painting telling all your excuses to the audience. Um, the audience wants to see a good painting. They don't care what is happening in your life. They just want to see a good painting. And that changed my way to see my work. After that, I tried to make every painting as good as possible. And when I'm not satisfied with the piece, I put it in the garbage. So every 10 paintings, one goes to the garbage. And I know it's, it happens. And sometimes I'm working for six days, 10 hours a day. And I know there is something missing. So I'm doing something uh, with watercolor, they all go to the garbage because with that technique, you cannot make any mistakes. With acrylic, I have the advantage that I could come back and try to fix it in the future. So I had a painting in the basement for two years, a painting that I didn't like. And last week, I decided to see the painting again. And in three hours, I fixed it. So two, hour, two years of wait and three hours fixing it. And now I love it. Carlos, I've really enjoyed our conversation today. And I appreciate your um, taking the time to connect with me from your home in Kentucky. Um, I also encourage people to take some time to learn more about you, to visit the Portland Art Gallery website, to perhaps connect with you virtually. I've been speaking with Carlos Gamez de Francisco, and um, I really learned a lot today. So thank you for that. Thank you. Thank you so much. It was my pleasure.